The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Talkin' Buds Leave Show. How's it going, everybody? I'm Rob. He's Ryan. So, 9-1 in their last 10 a pretty good Saturday night affair against the New York Rangers. Since we last convened last Sunday, we've had two Ryan Reeves tilts. We've had a trade. Ilya Labushkin has made his triumphant return to the Maple Leafs organization, which was met with all kinds of controversy and ridiculous takes that I want to touch on a little bit today. And now he's hurt with a presumed concussion after Matt Rempe traveled from one end of the ice all the way to the other to stinger splash him into the boards. And yeah, so I don't know how long that's going to be, but feel bad for Labushkin and super disappointing to bring this guy in and he's already going to miss some time. Yeah, he, um, I mean, when you get, lunged at by a human being of that size skating at the speed he was skating at and i honestly i didn't really notice how far he traveled until sheldon mentioned it after the game because you saw the impact the guy is an absolute monster but then watching the replay it's like yeah that was that was a bit of a charge that, a that, bit I, like that was <laughs> like he got imagine getting hit by that guy like oh my god i remember like playing hockey back in the day and the biggest guy on the ice like you were always terrified to go into a corner with him but and that's what it's like playing against this guy he's he's, he's huge well and then he fights reeves and it's like you could tell he didn't want to do it reeves went kind of went towards him earlier in the night and was like you want to do this and he skated away but then, like I said, he stinger splashes Labushkin, knocks him out of the game. So now you have to kind of answer the bell. And that's what ended up happening. And interesting tilt. There's been two great Ryan Reeves tilts in the last two games. Quickly, just want to touch on Reeves himself. Since coming back from his injury, and we poked fun, just like a lot of people poked fun. But since coming back from his injury, this guy has been the version of Ryan Reeves. We and the Maple Leafs all hoped he'd be he is a, a, he's been an effective fourth liner he's like i said the scrap on thursday night against the coyotes followed by the the it was like it's been a long time since i've watched a hockey game where two players skated a, like we're on the ice together and everyone is on their feet like that's like old school Ty Domi Bob Prober type stuff. Yeah, I, you know what's funny is you're you're always criticizing and you're always kind of um, watching the game and you're you're looking at the atmosphere in Scotiabank and you're like you're always wanting more out of it. There is nothing that gets a Scotiabank Arena crowd on their feet and louder more than a good tilt. Like yep. it's it's everyone in the city still loves it. That's when it's the loudest is whenever. Whenever there's a good tilt at center ice. Well, because it's old school hockey and it's, you know, fighting, not to go down. I don't want to go down this road, but just quickly. It's become kind of a controversial thing. It's it's basically out of the game at this point. You don't see it very often, but the people love it. And it's part of this sport. And it just, 
Like, I, I just had this moment watching the game where it's like they're on the ice together and you can just see everyone stand up and then you see them talking to each other and Reeves is looking at him being like, you want to do this? And the crowd is just like chomping at the bit. Then when they eventually do drop the gloves, the one thing I love about Reeves' tilts is it's never just a drop of the gloves and go. It's drop, step back. Yeah. And then he he kind of gets like he kind of moves in and he's got his right hand up ready to go and it's like okay you're in one now like this isn't like a scrum after the whistle this is like we're doing this he's he's an animal too because he's one of the only guys in the league that doesn't have a visor yeah and he's fighting guys wearing visors I kept thinking that during the Rempy fight it's like he hit his helmet yeah, he punched the shit out of his helmet yeah how's your hand not broken but after that you watch him and like so like. Rempy has the distance and he's kind of holding him out here and you could see Reeves kind of bobbing and weaving and then he had one where he came across and got under the visor and tagged him right yeah. here. But you you texted me this last night. Rempy didn't want to do it because, I mean, look at the guy's face. You got his lunch handed to him by Olivier on Columbus. Oh my God. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I know we don't want to get into it, but I don't know one person who doesn't like fighting. I know it's like some people don't like fighting. I don't know any of those people. I'm going to be honest. I don't know one person in personally who doesn't like a good tilt. And with Rempy too, it's I don't even think Rempy's like a tough customer. He's just such a big human being that he just has the reach and the ability to just fight anybody because he's just so big. Well, and it's the classic. He's he's doing this to sort of like make a name for himself in the league and stay in the league because you watch him like he's not a he's not a he's not a good hockey player. No, he does not move around like Tage Thompson at that size. And he knocks Labushkin out of the game. So, just quickly, I want to touch on the the Labushkin deal. There needs to be a documentary commissioned on Kyle Dubis. Kyle Dubis Maybe one day in his in his career, he might win a Stanley Cup. Not with the team he's with right now. No, but let's just say one day he he does. Kyle, I don't care. Even if he does win a cup, this guy's greatest achievement will be getting people to tie their hockey identity to him as fans. There are a subset of people, and it's quite honestly, it's mostly people who cover the game, I find. It's a lot of, like, friend. There's some people who are in the media, who are in the locker room, who you very clearly, you can tell, are like Kyle Dubas' disciples, but a lot of them are kind of fringe media, like they work for websites, and they do podcasts, and they do whatever. These people, the, the poo-pooing of bringing in Ilya Labushkin, it's like, okay, they gave up a third and a sixth for this guy. He's 75% retained, okay? His cap hit is $687,000. That's below league minimum cap hit, all right? And all I have to look at on Twitter after this deal is made is how he's terrible, he loses his minutes, he's he just oh, oh, pick a stat it was shown for how terrible of a hockey player this guy was. Your cult hero traded for this exact guy two years ago. The same player. And if he made this deal that Brad Tree Living just played, oh, look at Kyle. Finding ways to make things happen. Look at this. A depth defense. This is what they needed. They needed defensive depth. A depth defensive pickup at below league minimum. Can you believe the magic and the wizardry 
that Kyle Dubas is able to do consistently. But Brad Tree Living does it? Oh, what an idiot. This is the best they can do. They need to be better than this. Oh, you just let Chris Tanev go? What? This is a disgrace. And it's like, I was somebody, if you go back to the annals of the Talking Buds Leaf show, I was pro-Dubas. You were anti-Dubas. And I'm sitting here saying, you people are nuts. You're nuts. Like, what is it about? Something about him being a younger guy, a super analytically like based guy, not having any playing experience. Like, I'm sorry to go there, but it's true. Like, not having any playing experience. He just, like, these, these people just see him and they're just like, like the almighty, all-knowing general manager, the hero, the savior. The, it's just... Yeah. I'm, it is, like, Sorry, I just needed to go on that tangent because I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, he literally traded for the same guy two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's... I, <laughs> they, did, they needed a defenseman. And they yeah. went and got... I a right-handed shot defenseman. What... what this is, like you're just wasting your time being like upset about this. Like who cares? They went and traded a third round pick for a guy who could just play defense because Sheldon Keefe was basically begging Brad Tree Living to do it, putting Mitch Marner on defense. Yes, they went out and made a deal. Yes. They, the guy costs nothing. Yeah, you give up a third, but he plays with an edge. He's like he's. I just don't understand. People just need to make up their minds. What do you, What do you want? What do you want out of this team when it comes to the deadline? I think there's it's like they make a move and then they everyone complains. They don't make a move. They have to go all in. I don't know what the fuck people are thinking anymore. I think that I think there was a lot of people who had just. There's two camps, right? Actually, there's there's. There's three camps, there's four camps, there's five camps, there's six camps. But there's people who are like, you have Austin Matthews in his prime, and you have this core group of guys making this money. Every year has to be a go-for-it year, so go and get Chris Tanev. Give up a first, give up Fraser Minton. No one wants to give up Easton Cowan anymore because he's he's lighting up the O, but I'm sure there's people out, out there who want to give up Nick Easton Robinson Cowan. Nick Robertson lit up the O. Yeah, ex yeah. so, like... There's those people, and then there's people that are in the camp that you and I are in, which is, I'm not going to mortgage the future for a team that I don't think is going to have to have a lot go its way to go on a on a cup run. So I think that's where people get upset that they didn't go get Chris Tanev. I also think, like I just ranted about, you have people who just they hate Brad Tree Living no matter what he does. It's stupid, and um, Kyle Dubas is the Messiah like figure that we all bow down to, even though the Pittsburgh Penguins are fucking awful. Yeah, they blew a good one against Calgary. Yeah, last and, night. and, oh and yeah, it's like it's like, but but we all bow down to this guy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sick of differing opinions. Like, what do you what do you people want? Make up your mind. Like, because I'm in the camp of unless you can go out and get an absolute difference maker, which you can't, which you cannot. Yeah. Then I don't really care. I don't really care what you do. Like you can go get Labushkin. Fine. You give up a third. That that's fine. Whatever. They needed a guy to play with Riley. Clearly, Riley being gone, it really put an emphasis on we need to get Brody away from Riley, and we don't want Max Lejoie and and Will Logison playing. So let's go out and get a guy who played pretty decent for us before. So and they went out and it was it was a nothing deal. Like what was there to get upset about? Well, and Labushkin's also a guy who he's been here before. He's played with Riley. He he 
like there's a comfort level there. It's sort of, it was plug and play from the standpoint of bring him in. There's no getting up to speed. He knows Sheldon Keefe. He knows Morgan Riley. Throw him in there. And it's it sucks now that he's probably gonna miss some time with a concussion. It sucks. I feel I feel really bad for the guy. Like he seemed really stoked to be back. Him and Samsonoff are pals. He went from being on a dead team to in the thick of a playoff and, run. And he's not done for the year, but it just sucks that like he's gonna he's gonna miss some time here. It's yeah. it's too bad. And, and and people I've I heard some people talking about the Tanev price. It's like the 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 Leafs I, didn't have a second because the Messiah has traded away every second till the end of fucking time. I know. And every single deal the Messiah made at the deadline didn't uh, work out anyways. No. Like and it cost them this future. Yes. Like, like so it was going to cost the Leafs a first round pick because they don't have a second because the Messiah gave away every second. Yeah. And they don't they're not trading one of those guys. I I I'm going to be honest. I am Totally on board with them trading either one of Minton or Cowan for somebody who's going to make a difference. Absolutely. But you're not throwing them in a deal for a guy who's a rental, who's a third-line pair, second-line pair guy. Like, Chris it's just, Tanev. It's just not going to happen. Tanev is not worth a high-end prospect like that. I'm sorry. He's Calgary not. Flames traded Chris Tanev, and then they went out and came back and beat the... Like, it's... A, like, it's... That was... That, like... See you later. That was never happening. I didn't want it to happen. I, I'm just so sick of... It just seems like every day, people who have opinions on what they do on the deadline, it just changes every day. And I feel like my opinion has stayed the same. But you listen to these guys go on and on about the deadline, and one day it's this, and one day it's that. I want them to do this. I want them to do that. Then they go out and do it, and all they do is fucking complain about it. It's like, I don't understand... Like. Fan base, the media, it, it's very confusing to me sometimes that they're just never happy with anything. I don't, I don't understand. Make up your mind. What do you want them to do? I know what I want them to do. I want them to either make a play for a real big difference maker, whether that's out there or not. But if it is, if you trade away Cowan, Mitten, first round pick for someone who's going to come in and make a difference, absolutely. But uh, am I trading a first round pick for a rental who's just not going to do anything? We've seen it year after year after year with everyone they've brought in. They've been good deals. We've been happy about them. But ultimately, it, it didn't do anything for them in terms of winning in the playoffs. Where are you at on, first of all, I, I approach the deadline with get the best player available. That's the best deal, no matter what the position is. But I am the king of the Max Domi fan club. But, you know, you listen to people who are who, who talk Leafs in this town, who know what they're talking about and, and make good points about how, you know, he's better suited in a more protected role. So if you go into a first-round series against the Bruins, against the Panthers, against the Rangers, especially when you're on the road, there's chances of of that line getting caught out there in defensive in, in a defensive zone situation. And you saw the goal that Lafreniere scored where, like, Nylander blows the zone, ends up sitting for the rest of the first period. And Domi and Bertuzzi, they just, they're not great defensive hockey players. So... Where are we at on potentially going out and adding like a, a a stable guy up front as opposed for continuously searching for this phantom top four defenseman who's, who doesn't exist? The, the, haven't they done this every year, though, going back to Duke? Like, they always need a third-line center. Yeah. I know well, Tavares. No, they've got, they've got, I, I know Tavares is playing third-line center right now, but now you need a second-line center. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're always they're always looking for a center. The only year they ever had three centers was when Kadri, Matthews, and Tavares were here. 
Other than that, that's all they've been looking for that every single year. So do you think Domi, the best use of Domi is on the wing? I've always thought that. I've always thought that. I mean, he plays way better on that line because Nylander's just Nylander could take the puck and do whatever the hell he wants with it. And all Domi has to do is kind of just fill in the gaps. But here we are again looking for another third line center or a second line center. Because I don't like I don't like hockey players that have to be sheltered. Like this, this is not what this team needs. As a guy, like I like Max, but I don't want another guy where we need to shelter him. We need to shelter Morgan Riley. We need to shelter Max Domi. John Tavares can win faceoffs, but not a great defensive centerman. Not known to be a great, a shutdown guy at that position. So here we are again, back with this team, trying to look for another shutdown centerman. Well, it's and funny. they got one last year, and they actually won around having one. It's funny they um. Keith's solution for that currently is to just staple Callie Arncroft to whoever. Which Callie Arncroft makes that line way better. Yeah. Way better. Are we done with the Nick Robertson experiment? Yes. Yeah, because. Yes. Because. There's nowhere for him to play. Yeah, and I think. I had this thought last night about. I think when you move on from a young guy like a Robertson, the fear is always he's going to go someplace else. Not, not and, this and excel. guy. Not this guy. Yeah, and I think he he's had like he's had he's had a few looks up here, and I just think maybe he's someone that would benefit from going someplace else, a fresh coat of paint, a different opportunity, a different mix of players to get put in the mix with, like. Bobby McMahon is playing on the third line with John Tavares because Bobby McMahon has been more effective at the NHL level in this like little goal, this little stretch where he's been a scoring machine. That's more effective than Nick Robertson has been. Well, it's, it, I mean, they him and Robertson have been kind of producing the same. I know McMahon had that hat trick, but he's he's kind of cooled off. But he's just bigger. He's four checks better. He's not. He seems to be a little more reliable defensively like it's just it's just sheer size and forecheck ability and physical ability that gives him the edge over Robertson I think the the sort of balancing act you have to play and I talk about this a lot is you got to be careful moving on from cheap guys especially next year like next year you're going to have three guys making upwards of 11 million or four guys excuse me making upwards of 11 million so it's like you, you've got to be careful moving on from cheap talent, especially f- for next year alone, because it's just th- they're going to need guys like the Bobby McMahons of the world to be effective. Like everyone's talking about, you know, they should re-sign Domi. Domi's going to have to take another team-friendly deal. Like if Max Domi comes to the table. Which, which I our, think he would be more yes, than okay. Yes, I think the chances of that happening are I think, high. I think you can kiss Tyler Bertuzzi goodbye. Yes, but it's... Like so, you got to be careful if you're going to move on from Robertson. It's like that's a guy that you can pay, I don't know, like a million, a million five, because he's an RFA going into this season. He doesn't have a or going into next season. He a, doesn't have any leverage, in my opinion. So he's a guy you can get on the cheap. So you got to be careful. But at the same time, you can say, you know what, we're going to move on. We're going to trade you somewhere, and they're going to give us a defensive prospect that's at your level, and we're, we're just going to do a little switcheroo. We're not getting anything. If moving him would just be a simple, we're doing you a favor by moving on. Because they don't have to move him. They don't have to do anything. But that would just be, look, it's not working out here. We don't really like love you as a player. We don't see you anywhere in this lineup. Because you're not cracking the top six. And you're not a fourth, third line 
player who's defensively responsible. So it's just like, I don't know where you fit in here. So if you're going to move on from him, then you're just kind of doing him a favor. You're not getting anything. for him. That, that ship has sailed. And, and to be honest with you, that for the people who are okay with moving a guy, like I think Minton, it's, you have hopes because he's a centerman. But for guys who who love Cowan or are high on Cowan, this is this is kind of a this is what Cowan could turn into because he's not like Mitch. I know he's kind of in the same profile as Marner Robertson, small skilled guy. Nick Robertson lit up the OHL and got a ton of points. Right, but and the I, guy could shoot the puck. The guy like he can really shoot the puck, Nick Robertson, and he has he's great skill. But sometimes a small guy comes up and who 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 dominated the O and look, Nick Batan had was a good like junior hockey players, you know, like some of these small guys who light up junior hockey don't come up and always have success. I think the thing about Cowan that everybody gets excited about is obviously he's got like, what is this? Like a 19 game, like 27, yeah, like up like to 27, crazy, 28, crazy point streak. But also if you remember, what, do you remember the crying when they drafted him? Yeah. Like he, everyone was like, why are they taking this guy? And it turns out like, no, no, this is a, this, kid is showing he has first round talent. So I think, and also like you kind of look at what's the next generation of guys that's going to come in and supplement this core because with, with the Messiah trading away all the second round picks, it's like not even the second round picks. Can we go back in history a bit here? The guy got rid of the guy didn't re-sign Zach Hyman to what have been a actually a good, an unreal contract, a disgustingly yeah. good. Con- it's not like he was asking for like nine million. Like he, what, what did he get? Like five and a half, six. That was manageable. He gets rid of Mason Marchment for nothing. That guy for, for Dennis. He he prefers Mason Marchment over. He prefers Dennis Malgan over Mason Marchment. Is Mason Marchment the the best hockey player on planet Earth? No, but he's a guy with size who fits a profile that your team needs. They had Sean Dursey. I know that ended up being like an okay like move or whatever. But like there were names that he had that he did get rid of as well, as long as as well as first round, second round picks. Yes. So like that's that's why that's why these cupboards are so bare. And everyone everyone wants to praise the guy, but he he's he's complicit in this too. Like he he traded away a lot of guys who could have filled in spots in this lineup. Yep. For a bunch of dudes who sucked. Yeah, and so, but you kind of look at that, and it's like, what happens when this is this is over? They're going to go back to being a bottom feeder. But if you have these guys, this is why, like, I don't want to move on from any of these guys. Quite frankly, I don't. I'm I, like, keep them all. I'm not. I don't want to move on from any of them. Like, if just like go in if you can get another depth guy up front or on defense, heading into the trade deadline, fantastic. But we're not going to mortgage the future. We're not going to trade away any of these these like exciting young guys we have in the system because it's just I don't think it's I don't the Leafs are a couple pieces away from from being a true number one contender, especially on defense. I think the defense has played like I can't say enough about guys like Jake McCabe and Simone Benoit who just go out there and leave it all out there every shift. Warrior guys, but you look at like the 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 tree. Like the, the the oak trees that Vegas has on their defense, and it's like it's it's really really really, they're a few pieces away. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the code THPN. 
New customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. I want to touch on the stars a little bit. The Ranger game in particular, and I want to be very, very, very careful with this conversation because this is a conversation that you could get radioed and our comments section could get lit up being like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's in the Hart Trophy conversation. He's been fantastic all year, and he has. But I did not love Austin Matthews' performance on Saturday night against the New York Rangers, and the reason why I didn't love it is because there were signs of playoff Matthews in the way he played in that game. Just he didn't it, when when the intensity gets raised and it's a playoff type environment and teams start to take away middle middle of the ice and you can't free wheel, but also. I find he kind of gets caught up in the game and the decision-making is bizarre. Like, how many times in that game is he passing to people? It's like, what are you doing? Like, shoot the puck. It's just this reluctance to shoot the puck. It's on the periphery. It's just weird decision-making. And it's like, buddy, if this team is going to go on a run and win series, you have to take over playoff games. And I know that wasn't a playoff game. And yes, he's been spectacular this year. And I, we all love him and we all agree he's the greatest player in the history of the franchise. But it's just, I was watching him Saturday night, and I'm like, this this looks like Austin Matthews in a Game 7, where it's low percentage opportunities in the offensive zone, being pushed to the periphery, like I said, making weird, like, what are you passing to Matt Nyes for? Like, shoot the puck. I love Matt Nyes. Matt Nyes is a pillar of this team's future. But, like, what are we doing? Like, you're you're, you're coming in on the side, shoot the puck. You're, it's one of the... Shesterkin is a top goal in the league. It's rare you're going to get a tic-tac-toe pretty goal against him. Fire it on net and bang. You fire it on the net, let Nyes go to the net and bang in the rebound. Something like that. Instead of doing this weird sort of... Like, do you know the play I'm talking about? It's in the second period. He's coming in and he's on like the the periphery outside the, the circle. And Nyes is, is coming in and he, he passes it to Nyes who kind of whiffed on it because I think Nyes was like, what, you're passing it to me? Yeah. Right? So it's just like, I would just, I hope that it's not an omen for what's to come in the playoffs, especially like you're looking at it. They're going to play the Boston Bruins, I think. Like the Florida Panthers are, the Bruins are coming back down to earth. The Florida Panthers are rounding into playoff mode. You and I gush about the Florida Panthers on this podcast. I think they are the Stanley Cup favorite in the entire league. So it's probably going to be the Boston Bruins in the first round. And it's like, 
you're going into that building and against a team that like like how how many times did I have I said to you over the years like that goal song in that building it's not a good situation to tie the, it, like my my nightmares yeah really not a good situation so for them. like do you think I'm being too hard on Matthews here uh well I think just anytime you see him in a big game when he doesn't look like how he's looked all year you start to get a little worried that um he does look like playoff Matthews because if you look at playoff Matthews he's never come in like super clutch he's never had that takeover game I thought that line was trying to dipsy doodle a little That's too what I'm much talking in about. that like, game I thought I thought the yarn croak line did a good job of Tavares line of of getting the puck in deep and like moving it around I thought I thought Nylander is is heads and above the best skater of the puck with the puck on this team. If that guy gets the, the puck on a stick and he's moving around like an animal and, and that, that line spends time in the ozone because of his ability to like take the puck from the blue line, skate around the net. He doesn't always make the greatest pass. Sometimes he gives it away, but he, he dominates possession doing that. I just thought that line didn't have a great night in terms of kind of hemming in the other team and creating and, and tiring out their defense and creating opportunities off the cycle or, or wearing another team down. I thought they were just kind of more one and done. And in the playoffs, we see it. Like, you have to wear down your opponent. That's Yeah, th- th- I thank you. Thank you for elaborating that, because that's exactly, you just articulated exactly what I was trying to say, which is, yes, it's it's a mentality thing. And you we've, we've even got to be careful with this, because Marner is out of his mind right now. Marner is, like, super saiyan right now. But I just, you're right. We've watched enough playoff hockey and we've seen enough quality playoff teams that that is how you win in the playoffs. You wear your opponent down with relentless cycles and relentless sort of firing it at the yeah, net and, and whatever. And, t- and speaking of the Florida Panthers, like I, that's what they do. They outwork you at every square inch of that ice. That's why they're Stanley Cup favorites and that's why they are a terrifying opponent to play. And that's why even playing the Bruins, I don't feel very confident. Honestly, I was watching that game last night. And I know it's not going to happen because I think the Leafs are too far ahead. But I think if they were to finish in the first wild card spot and play the Rangers, that would be best case scenario for them in terms of a playoff opponent because the Rangers kind of play the same as the Leafs. And what we're talking about of wearing a team down, that's what the Bruins and the Panthers both do. And we know the Leafs just do not do well with that. Because the playoffs... And it's hard, and I think this is the battle that Sheldon Keefe has had with these guys for years in terms of, like, a mentality in the playoffs. It's like it's not – when you're in these high event – like, high stakes games, it's not the time to do a behind-the-back pass. Like, like when you're coming in and and against – and that's what bothered me the most. It's like Shesterkin is is a top-three goalie in the league. Like, what are are we doing? Like, trying to tic-tac-toe it into the net. Just fire it on net. Like, look at the Nylander goal. Fires it at the net. Yeah, even the Tavares goal. Yeah. Like, like, turns around, like, throws it on goals. net, hits yeah. two bodies, it's in the net. Yes. It's like, just, like, like that's that's the mentality. And if, if, you, if you can make that adjustment and you can skate hard and you can win battles in the offensive zone, that's going to lead to success. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if criticism is the right word, but it's just, like, the expectations for Austin Matthews are just so high because this is, this is like, a generational talent. A guy who's going to go down as probably the greatest American-born player in the NHL. You, he's going to have to have a signature moment at some point with the with the biggest franchise in the league. Like, he's going to... I know he can score 70 goals, and it's incredible, but 
Everybody knows that you need, like, Sid Crosby's going to retire with three cups and two gold medals around his neck. Like, you know, that this is what this guy's missing. That signature performance in the playoffs. So when you watch him play like they played against the Rangers and against other big teams sometimes, you're just like, it's like you're, you can score all the goals you want, but until you just pull through in the biggest moments, you're always just kind of going to be a little short of the mark. Yeah, and for the record, like, we're not sitting here saying that, like, we're sitting here saying... The guy's been unbelievable yeah, he has this been year. unbelievable. It's because, no, it's because he's been unbelievable. Yes. That's why. it's He's so fucking good at hockey. He can score better than anybody. He's a big boy. He can, if he really wanted to, he could be physically dominant. He's just a hell of a hockey player, a hell of a talent. But it's time to take everything you do in the regular season and apply it to the most important time of the year. And every single year, he plays okay, he's had some okay games, but there's never been a game where it's been like Austin Matthews single-handedly won that game for them. And I know it's a team sport. Everyone has to contribute. He could play well, but the defense could suck. The goalie could suck. But look at look at the, how many signature games has Sidney Crosby had in the playoffs, or even McDavid at that point. I know the Oilers haven't won a cup or anything, but they've they've won some big rounds. Into a conference final, they've won some big rounds because him and Drysital have just said, "Piss on this, we're going to win this series." And they just they he hasn't had that yet. Yeah, and I guess for me, just to put a bow on this, it, it's it's less about how he plays and more about it's it's mental when you watch him. And the decision making, Ilya Samsonov, fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was great. Fantastic. They're in a weird position with these goalies because they're carrying three goalies. Which, first of all, I hate this old this old hockey guy. Like, like how many? Like, you know, it's not ideal that they carry three goalies. Why? Why is it not ideal? Why? Martin Jones. But all is- we hear about here's here. Let's go back to this conversation about the deadline. Everybody contradicts themselves in this city. We need goaltending depth. Goaltending that depth this. Goaltending depth that. And then as soon as they finally have depth, we need to get rid of somebody. Like, like this is what we want. We want depth. Yeah. We want two guys playing well at the same time. And here we are trying to solve a puzzle of how to declare one guy but yet all we've been talking about all year is having goaltending depth and your your third guy is like a veteran in this league who if anything is going to benefit from having nights off and it just knows how to get himself ready kind of on a, on a whim cuz he's a veteran goaltender i am all for them carrying 3 they have to carry 3 because samsonov's been great since coming back but you still kind of have the the like is like yeah, you're not. You're never 100 percent confident in that. Guy. And Joe Wall is very, very clearly the guy with the highest ceiling out of these three guys, Absolutely. and the guy you want to anoint as the franchise goaltender. But every time someone breathes on him, I'm worried he's going to be done for two more months. So yeah. you're carrying a veteran guy in Jones who has saved the season. Quite frankly, who cares? I just I'm so done with this. Like. Every time you put on one of the broadcasts, whoever the goalie guy is, they're just like, well, you don't want to carry three goalies. It's like, why? Why don't you want to carry three goalies? Why? Yeah, because of the, the practice time. Yeah, like, I, ca- Martin Jones is a vet. You think Martin Jones is getting like riled up about practice time? I just find it so funny how all we talk about is a problem that needs to be solved. And then when it's finally solved, we have to... Like, get rid of somebody. And then one guy goes down, and then all of a sudden we have a problem again. Unless a bunch of guys get hurt in the lineup and they have to move somebody because they just need roster players, then you got to do it. But at this point, they don't need to do that. 
So just whatever. Have three guys. They're not the only team that's done it this year. I think Detroit. I think they said Detroit's had a had a had a run where they had three guys for a while. Like just it's fine. Martin Jones is fine. He is fine. And he's totally, he's probably loving life sitting up there as the third guy. Like I said, he's a veteran. He knows how to get himself ready. If something happens, he's ready to go. He's done it a thousand times. He's proven like, yes, I think at one point in the season, he was playing a little out of his mind, but he's still a very good goal. Like if you put him in, in a pinch, I don't think anyone's going to freak out about it. It's, it's just, yeah, it's such an exhausting conversation. Like they're in a bad spot where if they put him on waivers, like, Teams are looking for goalies, but it's that's just, why it's exactly why you cannot put him on waivers. I know, and it's like you don't have gone. to right now because yes. they like unless a bunch of guys get hurt and you need roster players, like who cares? Leave them in there. Someone's gonna get hurt. Someone's gonna get injured, and then what we're gonna do again, again, again is talking about goaltending. And depth. then, and then if something happens with Samsonov or Wall, you'll be go. You'll be like. We would, you know, it'd be great to have a guy like Martin Jones. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, yeah, this, dude, the media and the fans in the city are like, make up your goddamn mind on what you want. Well, that's part of what stick with your opinion. Yeah. Like it changes every day with these people. It's exhausting. That's part of what makes the least. Like, oh could you imagine God. what like listening to like a Dallas Cowboys media is probably like? Probably this Shit. on steroids. Yeah. It's like, oh, like make up your mind. What do you want? I want to touch on one guy before we we call it for today. You sort of lamented the like we have to shelter guys, right? Like what like I'm you're tired of having to shelter guys. I heard a great description earlier this week of Morgan Riley in the neutral zone and then the offensive zone. He is a number 1 defenseman in the National Hockey League. In the defensive zone, he's like a four. And it's gotten to the point where him, TJ Brody, as he's gotten older, you said it best. You're like, he cannot clear the puck quickly and efficiently on his wrong side anymore. That's just what has happened to TJ Brody as he's gotten older. That's that's just a fact. So you put him, Morgan Riley, he needs a defensive babysitter. That's what he needs. That's why Luke Shen was such, like when they brought in Luke Shen, this is another thing about the the Labushkin crying that drove me nuts. They brought in Luke Shen. Everyone was like, you know, he's a great six seven guy. He's a great pickup guy. Yeah, I, I I think I was on this pod saying I don't think he was even going to play. Yeah, and then he ended up being a top four guy yeah. because Morgan Riley needs a defensive babysitter who plays like that. And what Shen did was he would stay at home. He he would let Riley go off and do his thing, and then he was he's a big body, cleared the front of the net. And Labushkin is kind of a smaller version of Luke Shen, and that's why it's an ideal pickup and an ideal guy to have with Riley because, like, a couple of times in the Arizona game, and then again against the Rangers, he's just he's on the ice for a lot of goals against. Yeah, I mean. I've just adjusted my expectations for Morgan Riley. Like he's not a number one defenseman because he can't do it all. He's a strong offensive defenseman, which there's been a lot of guys like that in the history of the NHL. Like Eric Carlson's a perfect example of a guy who's like that. It's 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 very risk reward. I mean, he is putting up points. It's not like it's not like he's going in pinching and making well, plays and not getting. No, points. and that's the thing. He's had a great season. Yeah, and and one thing you do have to give him the benefit of the doubt for is 
he had an awful season last year, and everybody shit on him for 82 games. And then who showed up in the playoffs when it mattered, which has been the biggest problem for all these guys that look like legends in the regular season, and they go to the playoffs, they suck. He actually showed up and played his best hockey. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt based on that. I don't love guys being sheltered, but I've adjusted my my expectations for him being like, I think he can play better defensively than how he plays. Like I, th- I do think he could make more of an effort on the defensive side. No, no doubt. But like, he's just, he's just kind of molding himself into just, I'm not a number one Victor Hedman type of guy. Like I'm, I'm an offensive defenseman who's going to take risks and sometimes they're just not going to pay off. Yeah. But I also, I, but at the same time, I don't love him being sheltered either. Like, it's like, you can't have a guy who you're paying that much money to supposed to be your number one defenseman. And we need to get we a need special hand-holding like, yeah, defense. We need, we need to get somebody you, yes. to hold your hand. Like it's not it's not great, but it's a tale as old as time, though. Like it's there's there's been guys like talk about deep pairings in the history of the NHL where you've had your Scott Niedermeyer's, but then you had your your guy backing him up. Like the, usually that's how deep pairs go. Like sometimes you have a great shutdown guys, but there's been a lot of deep players through the deep pairs through the history of the NHL where one guy was the risk taker and another guy was always there to back him up. It's true. So Monday night, they've got they play the Bruins twice this upcoming week. They've got Monday night in Monday night the Bruins are coming to Scotiabank Arena. Then they have the Sabers on Wednesday, which is a nightmare because it's it's a divisional game. The Sabers are like the Senators. I don't care if they're if they go 0 and 82, they play the Leafs tough every single time they play them. And then you got the Bruins at TD Garden on Thursday on the second half of a back-to-back. Then you got the Habs Saturday night. So it's a week of divisional games for the Maple Leafs. The yeah. uh, Jack-Eye Reeves rematch. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like this is... I actually do believe the narrative that you and I have discussed and other people have discussed, which is, you know what? Like, to be in a situation that they're in where they're still very much in a race and they've got... Like, look at... You talked a lot. You went through the schedule last week or the week before and talking about the amount of Western Conference opponents they've had. It's the rest of the way out. It's Buffalo, Boston, Philly, they've Carolina. They've dominated the Western Conference. Yeah, Buffalo, Boston, Philly, Carolina, Washington, the Devils. Like, they haven't played the New Jersey Devils. The Florida Panthers, as we move into April, like, that's still a month away. But it's, like, it's it's very heavy Eastern Conference the rest of the way. Yeah, we got one more in there with the Oilers, though. Yes, which is always must-see yeah, appointment always television. The Zach Hyman thing, man. Like, it is. That was, I, a, that was a miss. Yeah, but you know what? I, I sat here and said uh, he's not, I, I'm not paying him that money. So, you know what? Now you're paying I'm Tyler an idiot. Bertuzzi. I'm, yeah, now we're giving Tyler Bertuzzi that money, <laughs> who has, has played better. But, yeah, that, that line. Keith said after the game, after he benched Nylander, he's like, I had a meeting with that line yesterday where I sort of expressed to them, like, this is how we play in the defensive zone, and that wasn't it. And that's why he is not, he he's is not scared. To, yeah. He's grouchy. Yeah. Like, he's extra pissed. Well, there's this, there's the whole thing right now about how the Leafs get treated amongst officials and like the whole thing with I'm not, Morgan I'm Riley not, getting I'm not, suspended. I'm not getting into this. This is Toronto sports porn in this conversation. It, like I'm oh not yeah. I'm not oh getting yeah. involved in this. There is a market. I think any yeah, the the people who are odd there being like, oh, it's for sure bias. 
Well, here's okay. Here's what I'm saying. Here's here's my take on it. Okay. I think there is enough examples that show. Yes, I do think the Leafs like, and, and there's statistics that say like last year they went almost the full year without a five on three. Like they 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 get the least amount of power play opportunities. Like the the stats are there to back it up. Okay, but there's what are you gonna do about it? There's nothing you can do about it. It 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 is what it is. You, it's something you're gonna have to overcome. Sitting here and pounding the desk and being like the NHL needs to look at this. The NHL needs to. It's like they're never gonna do that. It just it is what it is. Move on. Sitting. Every night and bitching about officiating and missed calls. It's like, I get it. It's frustrating. There are numerous occasions where I'm watching a game and something happens and I sit there and go like this and um, and then the no call comes and I'm screaming at my television. But you know what? The play progresses the other way and I've moved on. I don't go on Twitter and start ranting about officiate bias officiating. It's like just everybody move on. It's kind of what it, it is what it is. And it, I think it's it's an exhausting exercise to sort of launch into this conspiracy theory of the league is out to get the Leafs. I don't think they're out to get the Leafs. I think because the Leafs are the Leafs, the officials look the other way sometimes. I'll, I'll entertain the suspension conversation because... The George, well, George like, Peros, like, there's yeah, no rhyme yeah, or like, reason. Yeah, I, I'll entertain the suspension because the suspension process in the NHL is just awful. But... I think the reason why this team hasn't gotten enough power plays is because they don't work hard enough. Over the past couple of years, they haven't had a team that worked hard enough to earn power plays. They're not a physical team. Well, they don't they don't skate like how many times have we been like, we want this team to work harder. You know what happens when you work harder? You draw penalties. Yeah. And, That's and what happens when you work harder. They've also had things like like there was a whole Mike Bunning thing last year. Sheldon gets tossed the other night and everyone's talking about how, you know, like Sheldon has a rep around the league and it's like, all you got to do is watch the game. Like how many times a game is Sheldon beaking at an official? Like constantly. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah. I just, they're, they're a fraternity. They are. And it's just the way it is. I just get really miffed at people who have this, this idea that, oh, they need the NHL needs the NHL is never taking a look at it. They're never addressing it. It's never getting fixed. Move on with your life. Move on with your life. Yeah. I mean, officiating is game to game, but I, I think they just like. And all officiating. All this officiating is, is sus. All officiating yeah. is sus in every league. Every league. Like, watch the NBA. Watch the NFL. Yeah, the NBA is something. Watch Major <laughs> League. Watch the umpiring in Major League. Ba- watch the balls and strikes in Major League Baseball. Like, <laughs> the, it's it's part of, it's just part of professional sports. I think the refing. officiating. Yeah, the officiating in the NBA has to be the top. Yes. Like, so they take the cake for just, like, what, what, what are these guys doing out here? Yes. So and 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 also the NFL, although the NFL, in my opinion, is probably the hardest one to officiate. Yeah, but it's it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so fast. Yeah, and like, how many times in Major League Baseball have we seen an outrageous strike zone because the guy's just pissed off that day? Yeah. Like yeah. Angel Hernandez. Oh my God, constantly. Yeah. So it's like it just is what it is. Everybody move on. CB Buckner. <laughs> 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 All right, we're gonna get out of here. Again, another fantastic response to last week's video. Tons of new subscribers. Tons of nice compliments in the comments. What's happened to our comment section? Everybody's so nice. 
like all the comments are just like, we love the show. We love you guys. And it's like, thank you. We even got someone who said, you guys are going to be the next overdrive. And I was like, that, that is very nice of you to say. Overdrive is definitely a, a show that we sort of idolize and look up to. And we're kind of, that's the kind of vein we want to go down. Thank you very much for saying that. Don't think that's going to happen. No, but, um, I don't. But, but, but <laughs> we did not play in the NHL. <laughs> no, but, but, but we appreciate it nonetheless. And yeah, it's just like, it's been a long time since we've had someone call us pigeons. Maybe someone, ser- like, just, just for old time's sake, call us a pigeon in the comments section. Yeah. Or don't. Yeah, or don't. Thank you very much for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Also, follow us on our socials. You'll see the links to that below in the description. If you're listening to the audio version, all the same. We'll see you guys next weekend.